hello, 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 hello. Welcome to part two of the 20th edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles. And without further ado, I want to get right to my interview with Teddy Atlas, legendary trainer, boxing hall of famer, ESPN analyst for over 20 years, and founder of the impactful Dr. Theater Atlas Foundation, which serves communities around the New York City area. So let's get right to it as Teddy and I talk about in this part of the interview, we talk about the current landscape of boxing, especially with plans for events to start happening in the month of June. So here we go, as you will hear Teddy Atlas's voice as well as yours truly, Nabate Owls. Let's get to it. Speaking of Okay, possible fights that can come up after COVID-19 settles. Uh, you have Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. They're both based in Britain. Of course, there's travel bans and everything like that going on from certain countries to other countries and things like that. I don't know, like, a fight of that magnitude, Fury and Joshua, it would be the biggest heavyweight fight ever from the standpoint of, of especially both of them being Brit, Brits. And... Now, do they need to wait? I mean, do you think they they should aim to do it as soon as possible, or let let the potential to fight let the fight like uh, like Angelo Dundee would say, uh, marinate. Let the fight marinate. You know, give it time for it to really reach its potential and the visibility that boxing needs. It's a good question. First of all, there's a few roadblocks. There's a few potholes they got to get over. I mean, there's a, Wilder has a, has a agreement for the rematch mm -hmm. with, with Fury. Which they'll have to pay him off. Like, they have to pay him off for that. Mm -hmm. A lot of money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would be asking for <laughs> if I was him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a number out there. You know if I'm throwing it out there, I've heard a little something, right? <laughs> so I'm going to throw a number out there. It's not the normal one where you get a million dollars step aside. That's a lot. Two million, so 500,000, whatever. How about 30, 40 million step aside? Yep. That's what I'm thinking. That number I'm thinking. <laughs> well, that's because you understand the sport. Because you also understand that there's some sheiks in maybe Saudi Arabia. That's right. And from what I'm hearing, they're ready to give maybe $100 million, just give it to them, just to put the fight, not counting what you're going to get in pay-per-view, but just, just here's $100 million, come over here and put the fight on. And I'm hearing maybe they're trying to talk as early as December. Mm -hmm. Now, again, don't hold me to it, but I'm just saying that it's, it's being percolated out there. It's being... It's speculated. It's being put out there a little bit, but or tossed around a little bit. At the end of the day, you got to get around the payoff to Wada. If Wada will even take a step aside, because you know he got hurt. I mean, he got hurt here, not just not just physically, but in inside. He got hurt in that mm -hmm. performance, and he needs and, more time to get yeah, that rematch. So, he should have a tune-up or two, right? But he wanted it right away. Right. Because Pride. Yeah. Uh, the wolf's barking at his door. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got different wolves. That's right. You know? And who's to say that you can always ignore those wolves? You know? Um, who's to say that? So, then you also have the situation, it's not over. You have Pulev who also has a deal to fight against Joshua. That's right. So you got to get around that. He's got a signed contract, I believe. I believe it's for like five million pounds. So what's that, about six million dollars, six and a half, somewhere in that neighborhood, whatever it is. But mm -hmm. he's he's got that. So you got to get around those two obstacles. And then you got to get to the point where you made. Is it enough time to cash that one in, to get the most out of that one? Is mm -hmm. it the right time? Is it the right time? You know what? I'm going to go a little bit left of where you were going. 
And I'm going to say yes, because of a combination of what's going on with sports being gone so long, people are they're gonna they're gonna jump at it. Yeah, true. They're, they're gonna jump at it. You know, uh, you know, uh, they and they already have seen enough. I mean, of course, Joshua is much more known over across the pond than he is here, but he's huge over there. And enough people know now between the Wilder fight, between Joshua getting knocked out by Ruiz and coming back to win the title. Mm-hmm. It's been enough of a little bit of a, of a mini drama series, you know, going on where enough people, like enough people are aware of what most important to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And they, I think it's a, the time would be, you wouldn't have to wait any longer for, to max out the money on this one. Just mm-hmm. like the timing was right when they made Pacquiao and Mayweather. It, it wasn't right for the athletes to be at their best. Five years too late. But, it just lined up perfect, Nabate, mm-hmm. for the boxing fan to imagine they had to have this. I, and I think the boxing fans coming back, heavyweight, Joshua, Fury, the storylines with being away from sports, I think that they'll be looking – They'll be looking at a hamburger like it's a like it's a T-bone steak. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. They'll be, they'll be ready to devour it. They'll be mm-hmm. ready to devour. You know, just tell me when you're putting it on the table, and I'll be there. You know. Yep. yep. And, and Teddy, while here on the 20th episode of Where They At with the great Teddy Atlas, boxing Hall of Famer, one of the great trainers and fight analysts in the history of the sport. And Teddy, now Joshua stylistically, I think is a problem for Fury. Do you agree? Yeah, you know, the thing is with Joshua, Joshua reinvented himself a little bit. He, we talked about that earlier. George Foreman reinvented himself, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the great George Foreman. He reinvented, you got to give him credit. He he was a guy that was a stand in front of you, go get your guy right there, counterpunch a little bit, but always set, looking to get you. And then after he gets beat by Luis, you know, he becomes a a little bit of of a poor man's version of Muhammad Ali. Listen, everybody's a poor man's version of Muhammad Ali. That's not mm-hmm. a knock. That's not a knock. <laughs> but he boxed really good. He showed that he could. He showed he could box. And used his and height, his height, so like you got, always say. So he's got options. So Joshua's got options uh, that we didn't know he had. He's got options now. But Fury has those options too. And he's probably got a little bit more mental toughness. Maybe. Maybe. Because I can't visualize any of those other heavyweights. After what I saw with Wilder, I'm not knocking him. He's a great, great puncher. But after what I saw with his performance, after what I saw with Joshua, and I give him all the credit in the world for coming back against Ruiz. All the credit in the world. But after I saw that, I can't envision either one of those guys being caught with that right hand that that Fury got caught with in the first water fight, laying on the floor like he got sh- shot by an M16. Ooh, that's right. That and right then, and the left hook, the right left hook. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and then and then getting up. I can't see those other guys having the capacity, the mental endurance the physical, whatever you want to call it, to have to get up and then finish strong. Mm-hmm. I don't so I think that Fury has an edge over all of them in that area. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, listen, this is a guy that was very honest, very honest. And he was thinking about ending his own life. Nobody should think that. Nobody should get to that place. Yeah. He was thinking about giving up the greatest gift in the world, life. And mm-hmm. to get to that 
place, that sad place, that desperate place to do that. Uh, I don't wish that on anyone. And to come back from that, to be able to come back from that, there's a certain, there's a certain fortitude that's attached to that. And there's a certain strength and capacity that once you've gone to that cliff, that cliff like he has, where you're ready to give up everything, and then you come back, and you realize why you're coming back, and you realize why you never want to go there, and you face that, you see that. Well, that could be a light that can pretty much take you to any dark place after that. Mm-hmm. That's like having a great lantern in your hand. Wow. And, and, and you, can, you can shine lights on places that most people can't shine a light, that most mm-hmm. people can't find what they got to find in those dark places. Yep. And he has that lantern. He has that ability to do that now. So at the end of the day, my money would be on him. It would be interesting, though, because he has the capacity, not only mentally, but physically to show you that he can box great for a big guy, very agile, really, really box and put defense and offense together, move like a lightweight a little bit, and then turn it around. And in the last fight in the rematch with, with Wilder, he could go get you. That's right. He could go get you and use his size in a different way mm-hmm. to break you down, to melt you, to lean on you, to back you up, to, to make you evaporate. That's, that's, right. that's pretty damn impressive. That was pretty impressive. Yep. And I knew the 270 was – because when I saw that when he weighed 270, he had three knockouts before that at 270-plus. And I was like, you know what, that weight – and, like, he start put, started to put that weight on Deont- Deontay and everything, especially when Deontay uh, was still, what, under 220 himself. So, so Fury outweighed him by 50 pounds. That's crazy. And speak, speaking of being outweighed, I have to come up with a name not many – You know people- what, I think Deontay came in a little heavier in that fight. It was 224-ish, right? 224? I don't, I don't, I thought it was a little heavier, but oh. I remember he came in. Oh, 231, 231, 231. My bad, my fault, my fault. It's all right. That's because it, it struck me when I saw the weight. I was like, wow, the first fight. He was 212. You know, yep. He was 212 and he comes, wow. You know, it, it got my attention. Yeah, yeah. And, and Teddy, speaking of that, Alexander Yusek, you know, cruiserweight, dominated the cruiserweight division, cleaned it out, did his thing in, in the World Series, you know, of boxing now. You, how can it, he's, he's not at the weight of those guys. He's not at Fury's weight, not at Joshua's weight, Wilder's weight, not even Ruiz's weight. Can't, does he have a shot? Because his boxing pedigree is incredible. Gold medalist. I mean, just skill, pound for pound, probably the most skilled fighter along with Lomachenko. Uh, and they're both Ukrainians, like, of course. So does Yusek have a chance to, to be special in the heavyweight division or the lack of size will just be a problem? I would say without having to contemplate it too long, I would say yes. Because of two things. One, because of what you touched on. His pedigree, his belief, his confidence. He's a winner. He's a gold medalist. He's, he's, he, he unified all the cruiserweight titles. He's a winner. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he knows how to win. He's got that supreme confidence that very few people ever get. And that belief with that supreme confidence. He, uh, and he's got, he's got something that a lot of the heavyweights don't have. He's got legs got good legs so he can compensate for lack of size by keeping the bigger guy off balance by making the bigger guy too slow and and too one-dimensional so he's got things on his favor too and one other thing it's already been proven you know that these guys are not unbeatable other than fury who is still doesn't have a loss but they're not unbeatable. The guys that we thought were too big, 
Joshua gets knocked out by a short little guy named Ruiz, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Wada, we thought he was too big uh, and, and too powerful for a guy like Usyk. And he gets knocked out by a guy that had never fought big. He, big guy, don't get me wrong, but a guy who fought like a lightweight, who moved mm-hmm. around and didn't mm-hmm. fight like a, like a big mammoth. And then he did. And so who's to say now that all these guys, they got unmasked. The mask got taken off. They did. Mm-hmm. So, so who's to say that anybody is unbeatable, untouchable? Yes. Who's to say that? So it's a whole different world, a whole different landscape now. And like you said, you got a guy like Yusik who's special. He's special. So I don't think size is any longer the thing that scares us anymore when we can say without being laughed out of a room that you said could become heavyweight champ of the world. Mm-hmm. The welterweight division, though, uh, that, that needs clarity. You know, and Earl Spence with his accident, this could be actually with this COVID-19 and the delay of, of, of all the boxing events, this could really help him out when you don't have Crawford being active. Also, Pacquiao is older, getting longer in the tooth, the more he's out of the ring. So the welterweight division, how do you see that, uh, how you see that developing in the next year or two or so? I'm going to say, I'm going to use what you, you always got good questions. I'm going to use that. No, you do. I'm going to take that and elongate it a little bit and, and use it for two things. I'm going to say that the welterweight and the light heavyweight division are as good quality of fighters and amount of quality top fighters as we've seen since the 80s. That's how good they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I mean, the 80s was just magnificent. It was, oh, my God. Yes, sir. Oh, oh. <laughs> And because of the welterweights and the light heavyweights. That's right. I That's mean, right. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, fe- and featherweight, too. Featherweight division, too. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Unbe- unreal. Unreal. And listen, there was a reason for it. You had great fighters, and they were willing to fight each other, Navate. Yes. That was the thing. And, and it was on free TV. It was on network television where everybody could get to know them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that made, that made the sport powerful. That's why we're still talking about that era. That's why we still talk about Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns, Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran, Pennell Whitaker, Aaron Fryer, oh, oh, Roberto Benitez. Yes. You know? And, and then light heavyweights. Oh, my God. I mean, Madhu Saad Muhammad, Dwight Kwawi, uh, 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 you, you had... Uh, Marvin Johnson, too. Marvin Johnson, you had... Michael Spinks, Spinks Jinx, too. <laughs> you, you had you, Spinks, oh my God, you had Michael Spinks. And then you had these solid guys that were fighting these guys like Yaki Lopez, yes. uh, Jerry, Jerry the Bull Martin. Martin. I mean, jeez, mm-hmm. you, you had such good light heavyweights fighting on a regular basis in tough fights, in competitive fights. It was really something. And, and get... And today is the closest we've gotten to that with the welters and with the light heavyweights, with the talent. It's just a matter of getting them together. Mm-hmm. And you make a good point. We don't know. I love Spence. But we don't know if he's ever going to be the same after that accident. We don't. Right. You see your life pass in front of you, Nabate. You don't know how that's going to affect you. Sometimes mm-hmm. it might affect you. People are very honest about it. Sometimes what do you hear? An athlete say, he says, now I've learned that boxing, baseball, football, whatever it is, it's only boxing, football, baseball. It's, it's not quite what, as important as life. Yes. Because you, you have a different perspective. And that's great. That's great as a human being. Mm-hmm. It can hurt you as a fighter. Right. It can hurt you as a professional. It can hurt you as a champion, as a guy who wants to dominate other people to all of a sudden have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. To say, 
it's not as important as I thought it was because it still has to be that important. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's going to be working against. If that's happened to him, if it's chipped away at what's important to him, and it may, it may have, because that accident, he could have been gone like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so that's interesting. And, I would love to see him and Crawford, but again, you have two different sides of the street. You have, you know, the different power brokers that they have, that fight's not going to happen probably unless somehow it becomes so big like Pacquiao and Mayweather that the promoters, the different sides of the street have to come together. Otherwise, it's going to keep us from having that fight right. and other fights like it, you right. know, but... You make a good point. I think that Spence probably needs more time. Crawford, no. Crawford mm -hmm. wants to go. He yeah, wants he, to go now. Yeah, he's ready. Yep. Mm -hmm. But but I think off of that accident, Spence needs a little more time. Well, and Teddy, now I know you're hearing about the golden boy Oscar De La Hoya and Conor McGregor. Once again, you know, this is something where boxing, we were talking about the visibility of boxing is looking for to be able to bounce back from what's going on with this pandemic. But Oscar and Conor McGregor, like, just like with Floyd and McGregor, people were thinking that was an actual boxing match. People were thinking McGregor actually had a shot. This situation, you have a Hall of Fame fighter who's way past, and then you have McGregor who's not a boxer, but that's going to be seen as a boxing match. I mean, what is your take on that? And how embarrassing would it be for Oscar to lose to McGregor? Because Oscar is really long in the tooth, to say the least. Listen, there was one thing to, to do McGregor and Mayweather. Mm -hmm. It turned out better than a lot of people thought. And there was some credibility to it. Floyd was sporty, but he was still in shape and he he was two years off but you knew he was always training he was in and out of the sport you never knew when he was going to come back you knew he was coming back and you know uh mcgregor of course the big name and both of them great promoters and they could sell it so there was a and there was a curiosity factor there hadn't been there hadn't been a a uh, mixed martial arts guy, a UFC mixed martial arts guy, and a boxer for years, all the way back to an alley for the Noki, which was crazy. But you <laughs> oh, know, yeah. But but I'm saying the curiosity, the arguments, the the barber shop arguments, the bar arguments in the saloons was always about that stuff. So it it, it had, you know, it had a certain uh, allure and draw to it. Mm -hmm. This doesn't for me. <clears throat> I got to be honest with you. That one felt at first like a money grab, but it was better than a money grab. Mm -hmm. This one feels purely as a money grab, pure, like a desperation grab. Yep. A desperate, that other one, I could buy it. I could buy it because of what I just said. Mm -hmm. I could buy it. And I'm pretty damn critical about this stuff. But, <laughs> no. But, but, <laughs> no doubt. But, but, but Oscar, no. No, no, I don't want to see it. I have no interest. Mm -hmm. I have no interest to see it. Maybe some people would buy it because of that old theory that Muhammad Ali used to say, half of the people are coming to see me get my ass, my backside kicked, and half are coming because they, they, they like love me. <laughs> A lot of people be coming to see uh, Oscar get his backside kicked. He's not the most popular guy out there. Mm -hmm. right? And, and, uh, and then a lot of people would like to see that with, with McGregor too, you know, because he's, he's an antagonistic guy. So, <laughs> you know, maybe, but for me, no. Yes. You know, I'm, you know, that show, the, the sharks, the shark tank, shark tank. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. Talking here with Teddy Atlas, Hall of Fame trainer, uh, analyst, and one one of the greats uh, in the sport. Now, Teddy, I see you wearing a Raiders uh, sweat a hoodie right there. You know, for sure, representing the Raiders. And your son, Teddy Atlas the Third, is doing an outstanding job with scouting. And the Raiders, their roster has been upgraded over the past couple of seasons. Carr, they're they're rolling with him once again. Uh, Josh Jacobs had a tremendous rookie season. He's coming back. And then Henry Ruggs, speedster out of Alabama, who has good route running ability as well. So can the Raiders, being in a new city, can that really jolt them to get into the playoffs? Well, the first thing you better do is get me a new Las Vegas Raiders shirt. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, yeah. I, want, I want to get one of them. Uh, listen, they've done a great job. Uh, Gruden's an offensive genius. He is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, uh, Mike Mayock, tremendous, wow. Wow. tremendous PM. And yes. a tremendous human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that personally. Because uh, of, of course. My, yeah, yeah. My son, for, from knowing what I know from my son. And my, my son is getting a chance to really be groomed and really grow over the years uh, as, as a real NFL uh, scout director. He's an assistant director with the Oakland Raiders. But he's really developed into – I know it's my son. I understand. I, I have to – control that and channel that maybe i don't maybe i don't who says no. i do it's facts but, teddy it's facts but, but he's, good. he's a good kid he's a good person a good character as my daughter I'm, I'm very lucky and um he he knows what the hell he's doing <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's around good people and he's 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 really developed into a hell of an nfl asset and they're they're doing something over there they've they've gotten in my son's words, they've gotten off this draft. They got faster, tougher, mm-hmm. better, and they they filled needs. They filled yep. needs that they had. You yep. talked, touched on it with wide receivers, you know, they, and with their free agency, they they filled needs. And listen, other teams did too. They're not alone, mm-hmm. but they 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 improved. They, they're on the improve, and um, I think it's just a matter of time. Uh, what would be a what would be a better time than when you go right into Las Vegas? Kind of like the kind of like if you believe in faith and fate, and if you believe in uh, you know in, in such things, you know as uh, having uh, you know just destiny and all those type things. The hockey team went to Vegas and they won right away. That's right. Went to the Stanley cup finals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like magical, you know, maybe, maybe maybe we'll catch that same, that same magic, (coughs) that same lightning uh, in a bottle. And and you touched on rugs. Anyone who could run four twos. Oh, oh, Mm -hmm. As, yeah. uh, you know, I forget what his exact time is, but it's a, it's on the fourth rate. I yeah. mean, you're, talk, you're talking about you're talking about just phenomenal, you know, uncommon kind of speed. You're talking about Deion Sanders type stuff. Yeah. you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> I mean, you, I'll tell you one thing: the late great Al Davis, and he was yes. great. That's right. he, he was he was a special guy and New York guy like us New York yeah. guy he's from Brooklyn yeah. <laughs> he he would have he would have loved rugs you know because he loves he loved to speed you know he loved to speed so listen they're putting it together they're coming together uh, you mentioned those guys you know you mentioned their running back from last year from Alabama mm-hmm. uh, what what a what a year he had last year the yeah. rookie. Uh, yeah, Josh Jacobs, yes, sir. Jacobs, what, what, and and on top of it, I can also report. You know, I would never say things if I knew it was, was privileged information that shouldn't be said. Obviously, I wouldn't say. It, you know, mm-hmm. if it compromised my son's, you know, I would never say. It. Right. But I can say such things that I know, like the kid's a great human being. On top of being a hell of a prospect, you know yes. what I mean. 
Yes. And, and to me, that's how you want to build. You, mm-hmm. you, you want to build with needs. You want to build with talent. You want to build with guys that are coachable. But you want to build with character, too. You know? That's right. That's and, right. Uh, so I think they're, listen, I think they're on the right track. They're going to, a, they're moving into that spaceship. I don't know if you saw that spaceship <laughs> that, that, that they say is a, is, a, uh, is a stadium. But I don't know. I mean, it looks like somebody landed a spaceship. In the yeah. middle. It's extraordinary. What a, what a stadium that's going to be. Wow. What a, I mean, can you imagine going to Vegas? How many people are going to be going out there for the weekend to see a Las Vegas Raider game yeah. and just see that stadium too. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's state of the art. It's, you know, it's kind of like what Jerry built over in Dallas. That's uh, right. It's unbelievable. And ho- hopefully um, it can be packed to capacity. Hopefully. Definitely. Yeah, hopefully. God willing. Yeah. How is your foundation? How's the Dr. Theater Atlas foundation doing? Because I, I got to say, I love like, being a part of it and, 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 and volunteering and helping out because your foundation really touches lives for sure. And um, what's going on with it? How, how is, um, how are they doing in being able to, how are you guys doing in being able to uh, counter what's going on with COVID-19 and, and help people that, that are going through tough times? We're doing our part like everyone else. There's a lot of good people out there. We're just doing our part, no more, no less. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're blessed that we have the privilege that we can help people. It's a privilege. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not a burden. It's not a it's a privilege. It's you know, it's not a thing that's difficult. It's a blessing that you could be in position. Besides helping your family, which comes first, and yourself, and your family, mm-hmm. you can help some others. You you you've been given a great. Uh, opportunity if you can do that it's it's, it truly is the only word that keeps coming to me is you're privileged if you can do a little something and because of the great people out there that give to the foundation we're able to do that 23 years now and you're part of that we appreciate you you come you come and play uh at the cocktail hour every year you know we have our big dinner it's always in november the week before thanksgiving who knows this year we god willing we have we have it again. Uh, 23 years. It's our big fundraiser. We get 1,000 people. We get 50, 60 celebrities. You know, everybody comes from, from, from uh, you know, Curtis Martin to Phil Sims to, you know, to Bill Parcells to, uh, I mean, uh, John McEnroe. We're very uh, Tony Dancer. I mean, with George Foreman has been there, mm-hmm. Sugar Ray Planet has been there. I mean, we're blessed, and because they know where the money goes, the money goes, it all goes back. It's it, it's not going, you know, it's not going into administrative costs. It's going to the cases. It's going to the people, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's putting handicap ramps up twenty four seven. It's it's taking care of the kids with the single moms. Uh, that she doesn't have the proper hospital care, the proper insurance uh, to take care of a sick kid with cancer. So we step in and we'll we'll take care of it. Uh, He needs to fly out of state. We fly him out of state. You know, the the mom needs to pay for the cancer medication after the surgery was covered by the insurance. But meanwhile, the the cancer medication to keep the kid alive is $1,200 a month. It's not covered by the insurance. I know it's crazy, but... It's not covered by the insurance, and she can't cover that. So we step in. We do that, uh, you know, and, and social programs where we'll go to these at-risk schools, these Title I schools where families are making less than 35000 a year, and there's poverty, and there's problems, and, and sometimes there's no dads there. And, and you got these difficult situations. We'll step in, and we'll talk to the auditorium of, of 1,000 kids, 800 kids, and we'll tell them, listen, if you start caring, we're going to care. If you start taking responsibility for who you are, for the choice you make, we're going to come back and drop off 200 tickets to a Yankee game, to a Nets game, to a Mets game, to a Knicks game, whatever it is. We're going to drop them off, and your teachers are going to put you on the list, and the kids who improve the most, you're going to get to go, and we're going to provide the buses. You know mm-hmm. what? It makes a difference. It makes a difference for a kid who's struggling. Yes. To know 
that, that he don't have a dad that, that could say, hey, listen, son, uh, this isn't, this isn't, uh, we're not going to allow this behavior to continue. You know, uh, this, this isn't, this isn't good enough. You, you got to be better than this. It's not acceptable. But if you improve yourself, you know what? I'll take you to a game in two weeks. Really? And, and it gives the kid incentive that, that somebody cares mm-hmm. and that somebody is invested in them. So we're able to do that, a little part. Uh, we have to do the things that, you know, I just talked about. Uh, it, it could be It could be a mom, a single mom who's got – Everyone runs into different situations where she's working a job. She's working two jobs, maybe. She's got four or five kids. She's doing the best she can. All of a sudden, what happens? Something happens. A kid gets sick. She's out of work for a little while. Next thing you know, she's being evicted from her apartment. She's being put into a city shelter. We step up. We say, no, you're not going into a city shelter. We're going to pay the 3000 to get you into an apartment. Listen, truth to truth. We're not going to continue. We're, we're, we're not the and alter to everything, but we're the bridge that gets you across that little bit of a gap that you're having trouble, that rapids of the water, that that difficulty in life. We're, we're the bridge that gets you from A to B, where we can step in, and like I said, we can't step in and, and, and pay regularly, but we'll pay the 3000 that the mom can't come up with just mm. to get home, and then she gets back going again, she's back to work, then she can she can, you know, maintain herself. Again, we're, we're just a stopgap. We're, we're, we're that bridge, again, that when people are having difficulty and they're falling in between the cracks, we get them out of the cracks. And we do it because of good people. People like you, people that I mentioned, uh, the good people out there that support the foundation. And right now, while we're going through this difficult time, like everybody else, we're making adjustments. Right now, we're feeding senior citizens, Nabate. We got a program, we created it, where we found that the most vulnerable people, everyone's vulnerable, don't get me wrong, but the most vulnerable people, the senior citizens in in some of our difficult areas, low-income areas where uh, where they're they're alone, and and they already already had needs when things weren't bad. See, those Mm. are the people I want to really pay most attention to. I'll pay attention to anybody that has a problem. But I, it's the people that sometimes you forget, you lose track, right. that, that you see this pandemic, you see this terrible situation, but you forget that some of these people, what makes it worse, they were in trouble before this. They were already in trouble. And yeah. now this. So it's, yeah. it's compounds it. So those people, those senior citizens that are afraid to get out, that can't get out, we started a we started a program where we have people bringing food to them, mm-hmm. uh, where, where we're doing it, you know, on a regular basis. So we got that. Uh, we also have, I mentioned before, we want to help the people that fall through the cracks, yes. you know. And so we got people that, quite frankly, are are people that are not that are out of work. They they have families. They got four, five, whatever kids. They're out of work. They were the little guys, the menial workers, the 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 guys that were dishwashers, the guys the guys that were working in restaurants as 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 waiters and and whatever. Sorry. And they're not protected. They're not going to get unemployment. They're not they're they're not in a position to get unemployment. They might have been working off the books, but they're human beings that that yes. were that were living the right life. That were taking care of people and. So they're not going to get unemployment. They're not going to get subsidies from the government. But mm-hmm. so we're, we're, we're working out something where we're taking care of them. We're taking care yes. of the ones, for me, uh, need to be taken care of the most right now. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're doing that. And, you know, we're doing, like I said, we're doing our part uh, just like anybody, you know, that, that is privileged enough to be in position to have a part, you know. Yes, sir. Wow. And it's a always, always no noble, noble cause and noble organization that you run, Teddy. And it, and it, it reflects who you are and your character for sure. And uh, one last thing, I had fun with this book. I haven't seen this book in a while. 
with our dear friend, Bert Sugar, God rest his soul, um, the ultimate book of boxing lists. And, and I, I'm looking, I, I was looking, I've been looking through it the past week or so, like once again, it's so great. I want to come up with a list right now of not necessarily the best fighters, but your favorite fighters to watch. I'll give you a general neighborhood. Okay. Uh, a general neighborhood of, of guys that I enjoy, that I, I, that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Roman, uh, what's his name? Uh, who, who came oh, back? Roman Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. I, I love him. I, I love him for what he was before, and I love him for the way that he picked himself up off the floor after he got beat twice That's in right. a row. He got stopped in the, in the second one, and everyone wrote him off. I love mm-hmm. redemption, Nabate, because that's when you show who you are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Before he showed what he was, like as far as uh, as far as a fighter when he was undefeated, forty and all, whatever. And and he showed what he. Was. But then when he got beat and then he got knocked out and he was written off, he showed who he was. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and so I love him. I love him, Chocolito. Yes. Chocolito. I, I I I love him. Uh, and I, you know, I, I just skip around. Okay. Um, I mean, if you want to mention a few names, I could, you know, or lead me a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm open to that. But okay. I love Crawford. I think Crawford, mm-hmm. I think Crawford might be, uh, I jumped up to welterweight, but I think he <laughs> might be the most instinctual fighter I've ever seen. I just think yeah. he had, that's a big statement. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's got great instincts. He, he's like, Cush used to tell me, Teddy, the great ones make it up as they go. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. Like, he, he's like a Louis Armstrong that can just create notes. You yes. know what I mean? Just yes. create notes. Like, I never heard that before. Where'd yeah. that come from? Like, like what, what sheet music was he taking that off? His own. His own. That's right. His own. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. Like, like Jimi Hendrix, you know, playing the guitar. Like where'd that come from? He just he he just made it up, and 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 he, and Crawford has the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. He he's special. Um, I did a piece with him. You could Google it. It's out there. It was on ESPN, mm-hmm. and we went into a gym together a few years ago. We went into a gym. We spent the whole day, and I broke down his career of his most formative fights coming up. Mm-hmm. Gamboa, just different yeah. guy uh, on, on his way up. And the fights that made him before he became this star. Mm-hmm. And I watched the tape with him and I went over it with him. And it was a nice piece. It played on ESPN. Mm-hmm. And there was one part, I think it was in the Gamboa fight. And Gamboa was a guy that was, he was smaller, he had moved up. But Gamboa was a guy that that was a gold medalist from the great, you know, Cuban amateur team. Yes, indeed. He was an undefeated, he was an undefeated world champion Mm -hmm. and really fast, Nobate, great, you know, just great neon, that neon talent, you know? Mm -hmm. And and he tested Crawford. He hurt Crawford, actually, in that fight. Mm -hmm. And uh, Crawford did something in the midst of it where he went from, I've never seen a guy switch better than him. Maybe Andre Ward is pretty damn good too, but mm-hmm. that switch from lefty to righty so well. Right. Hagler too. Hagler as well. Yeah. Never mm-hmm. lost a beat. Never mm-hmm. lost a beat. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, God almighty. He was like Mickey Mantle switch hitting. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I was watching the tape, breaking it down with him. And all of a sudden, he did something. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I said, do you know that you did this? And we went back, and he looked at it, very honest. And he said, no idea. No idea. I said, do you remember? He goes, no. I said, you didn't even, before I showed this to you, you didn't. He goes, Teddy, no. He goes, and then he smiled. He goes, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, what he did, he just invented something right mm-hmm. there because he needed to instinctually. And another another guy that I like 
I like going down a weight class. I went up, now I'll go back down mm-hmm. to light, lightweight. Mm-hmm. I, I like that kid, that young kid. He hasn't really been tested yet. He's, he hasn't won a title yet. He's oh, like, Teofimo Lopez. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he won the title. He, he won the title. He just won the title yeah. uh, uh, against the kid from Africa. Um, uh, oh, uh, 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 Comey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knocked him out. I, I, first of all, I like his confidence, um, but I, I just – he's got great natural ability. He's, he's, he's got great natural ability, and he get, he's got the kind of ability that reminds me a little bit – I'm not getting crazy because he hasn't been there long enough, mm-hmm. but he's got the kind of ability that reminds me of a Pacquiao, that, he, that he, he's got power and speed. Yeah. And, and you know what? He's got the kind of ability that he can make mistakes and get away with it. Like, yeah. like I used to say when I was doing the fights all those years on ESPN at ringside, Nabate, I used to say, guys like Pacquiao, they could, they could, they're like a young kid with a sports car. They, you know, they, they, they can run red lights and get away with it. You know what I mean? And, and he, he, this kid's, Pacquiao would run red lights. Like he would jump in where it's dangerous, but he'd get away with it because he was so damn fast. Mm-hmm. And, and I see that with Lopez too, where he could jump in and close the gap, bang, and, and, and just close the gap so quick and nail you before you could react to it. Right. And not too many people could do that kind of stuff. And, and I think with it, he has a genuine, right now, a genuine sort of immortality about him mm-hmm. that, that he feels he can't be beat. You yes. know, he's only 22 years old. And, mm-hmm. and he, he feels like he... So I like him. I also like the kid that hasn't won a title yet. Um, and he's a, he's a lightweight. Oh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Garcia? Yeah, I, I like that kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's undefeated. Golden um, Boy's last hope. <laughs> basically, I mean, it's Canelo and him. Basically, you're right? He, they're, they're praying that they're playing, praying that he is really the replacement of Canelo. Mm-hmm. You know, with the Latino audience, and he's also got charisma. And you know what he reminds me of? Not as a fighter so much, a little bit, a little bit. But as far as the attraction and the draw, and especially of his looks and where the young girls like him, mm-hmm. uh, where, where, you know, where it attracts a different audience almost, he reminds me of a young De La Hoya. When De La Hoya yeah. was coming up, he was a matinee idol. Mm-hmm. You know, people forget that about De La Hoya. Right. He, right. he really was the golden boy. He was... All the girls would come and want to watch boxing because because of him, mm-hmm. and 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 he was he was a matinee idol, and he he was one of those rare guys that crosses over and brings a different audience. That's right, and you know he really was, and I see that in in this kid Ryan Garcia mm-hmm. that that he's got the same the same kind of makeup, the, the same qualities where he could do that, mm-hmm. he could do that. He could be the replacement, the heir apparent, if you want, to the throne of Canelo, bringing the yeah. pay-per-view money and, you know, bringing the audience. Um, I like him. I really do. I think, I, think he's, uh, I, I think he's very smart. I got to talk to him. I don't like to be like I'm being, uh, like I'm being coy and I'm not telling you something I don't know. I won't go into things because if I think it's personal – if I think it's a personal imposition on somebody's and my relationship or or on something somebody said to me or or something that's personal and that's not meant for public, I won't. Right. But at the same time, I'm not going to be sneaky about it. I, I had a, just a little conversation with him. And from that, because I don't want you to think I'm a genius and I, I could know all these things without having something to base it on you know and i do i had a little conversation and he struck me as a genuine kid and a rarity in the way that he's got a father involved where most fathers not all but a lot of them are cuckoos 
they're they're cuckoo birds. Mm -hmm. They can't help it because it's their son. Yeah. They can't help it. And it's very rare you get one that's not a cuckoo bird. You know what I mean? Right. and I and again, I'm not knocking on. I'm I'm just saying what I what I what I know and what I've witnessed. And this kid's got a father that I think is pretty damn grounded. And at the same time, the kid's very intellectual, very very instinctual, almost like what I described with Crawford. Mm. I think he's got some of those qualities. Right. And um, and he's very young. I think he's like twenty twenty two or something. Kind of young, like that. Lopez is young. Um, uh, so he, I, I just think there's something potentially, because, you know, I never try to jump ahead of myself. I, I want to see the, I want to see the, the proof, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like my son says, like my son says, I love the sayings that come out of the NFL for my son, you know, um, uh, the, the late great Willie Brown, my son was very close. Oh, wow. And, yes. You know, and, uh. He, he used to say, he used to say, don't tell me you're pregnant. Show me the baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yep, yep. So, <laughs> so I'm just saying, I, I, think, I think that this kid uh, can be special. I no. think he can be special. Wow. Well, and you said to help you with fighters, help you out with fighters. New York, in a way, Japan. I love him. The, Can the he monster. be the best in the world, pound for pound? He's getting there. He's getting close. I think he might be there just about. That's, mm-hmm. that's, he, I got to say, again, I'm, I'm only saying what I can document. I'm not saying it out of, you know, braggadociousness. But when you, make a, when you do, you know, even a blind squirrel finds, a, <laughs> find, finds an acorn once in a while, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was on him. Way before it was fashionable right. on him. On our radio show. We remember the radio show we did five years ago right. on Sirius X on XM, Sirius XM. We talked about him. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yep. Yep. So I'm not embarrassed to say that I you know, it's not me, you know, just uh Johnny come lately being a Monday morning quarterback. Uh, you know, uh, I I like I liked him before everybody was in love with him. And before it was just obvious as it is now of how good he is. I love the fact that he can move up and wait, still do what he does. I love the fact that he shows the character, the intestinal fortitude to go along with the talent, that he could overcome things when he had to, like when he got tested in his fight against the old veteran. Um, Nonito Donaire. Yes. Yes. And and then he could come up aces in that kind of test with character. Mm -hmm. I, I love him that you're going to laugh, but, but you're appreciated because you you really understand boxing. I I compare him, and people are going to say, whoa, because of the weight differences. It doesn't matter. I, I compare him. He reminds me of some of the attributes of and, and physical attributes and technical attributes of the great, great, great Joe Lewis. He's always balanced. His feet are always Nabati, he's never out of position. He's mm-hmm. always set to punch. Joe Lewis was always set to punch. And I recognize that in uh, Noe. He's always set to punch. He's never out of position. And he's very calm like Joe Lewis. So a lot of people don't give him credit. They don't, they're just not aware of it how calm Joe Lewis was yes. all the time. <laughs> and I see that in no. I'll tell you another guy who had that attribute, who had that ability. The great late Salvador Sanchez. Yes. He always, always calm. Mm-hmm. And so I love Anoui. I love him. Uh, he's the monster. Who's got a nickname like that? I mean, and, and <laughs> you know, and, and, and it fits because he's a monster. He's a monster. You know, he comes from Japan with, Actuated with monsters, That's you know, right. all, all that stuff. But he, it, it fits. He's a monster, and yeah. he seems like a good guy too. You talked about Teofimo Lopez. Is he ready for Lomachenko? Because there's been talk about them. Because Lomachenko needs a big money fight because he's 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 at his apex still, but he's not. I don't think he can get better. You know, so Lopez and Lomachenko. Right, like say 2021. Very good question. I'm going to answer it this way. I'm going to tell you. 
It's going to surprise some people. First of all, he might not be ready, but he might be. And I don't sit in the middle of the fence. I'm not, I don't do that. I don't like other people who do it. I don't. But I'll start by saying that. Mm -hmm. That he, he probably shouldn't be ready because of his age and his lack of experience in, in fights that he's been tested. He probably shouldn't be ready. But sometimes, guys, even with that, they're still ready. Do you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying about it? Sometimes there's a rarity. He probably shouldn't be ready for the experience, the technical uh, capacity of Lomachenko, mental capacity, where Lomachenko will test him, where mm -hmm. Lomachenko will take him, I mean, where he might frustrate him, uh, where he might break him down. He probably shouldn't be ready. But I got a funny feeling that a combination of Lomachenko just starting to get a little older, starting to get... There's a guy who had 400 amateur fights. Yeah. There's a guy, you know, and there's a guy that's, What's he, 34 now? Somewhere yeah, around that age, yeah. Just, right. I'm just saying that, that he might, the, the shadows of old man time might be touching him just a little bit, just a little bit. But that's all you need at that level. That's why Sugar Ray Robinson, the great Sugar Ray Robinson, maybe the greatest of all time, why he would pull out of a fight if mm -hmm. he didn't feel he was just right because he used to say, People don't know what I know. There's a lot of great fighters out there. If I'm not just right, I could get beat on yes. any night. If I'm not just right, I could get beat. And it's kind of like that. With This is the kind of fight that if he's starting to slide, just – and I love Lomachenko. I was the first guy. I put him on my pound-for-pound pound list when That's he had one whole fight. People, were, <laughs> people right. were, like, throwing stuff at me. Like, get out of here, Teddy. How could you do that? Right. They don't throw stuff at me no more. Right. You know? Right. How they understand it. So I'm just saying he might be turning a little the corner and and this is the kind of kid that can be a really dangerous fight for Lomachenko. I'm telling you. It could be a real yeah, Lomachenko could wind up taking him apart, but he could it could be a very I think it is a dangerous. I think it could mm -hmm. be a very dangerous fight for him because of the way I just broke it down. Mm -hmm. And and again. And it's a fair way of saying it. Lopez shouldn't be ready for him. He shouldn't need another year. He shouldn't need, but he's the kind of kid with his, just with his sort of cockiness, his, his belief, his attitude, his arrogance. I think it's real. I think he really believes it. And I think he feeds off of his father's belief. Mm -hmm. You know, the father's a little crazy, but I think he, I think he feeds off of that belief a little bit. And and I just think he's young and he's got all this talent. And he's he really believes that that he's that he's the guy and he's this. And I just think that if Lomachenko's a little starting to show that that turn a little bit, that it could be a dangerous fight. And I don't believe it's gonna happen. I don't believe the fight's gonna happen. I, I I just don't believe it's going to happen. I, I've been heard, hearing things about, you know, where the uh, Lopez's people want more money and where, of course, Lomachenko, uh, he went back, of course, when the fight, when this all happened, he went back to the Ukraine. So anybody who's went back to international waters, it's going to take a while before they can come back yeah. and be ready. Yeah. You know, to compete. So that fight, I don't know that it's going to happen. I really don't. But it'd be a very, 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 very interesting fight mm -hmm. um, if, if it did happen. I, I got Lomachenko, my number one, and Crawford, my number two. But I could mm -hmm. interchange them easily. Mm -hmm. I have no problem. If, if you want to make Crawford number one, Lomachenko, I have no problem. But I have those two guys mm -hmm. up, up at the top, you know. Now could Canelo uh, eventually get to number one in your pound for yeah. list? Yeah, okay. it's very interesting you bring him up because he's he's a rarity. I'll tell you how he's a rarity. First of all, he's fighting good fighters. Yes. Uh, but he's a rarity where, and he's taking risks, but he's a rarity where at this point of making money, this point in his career, 
he still keeps getting better. And that's credit to his to his trainer mm-hmm. that that they, they're doing something right. And I'm, I listen. I'm not, I say what I feel, and and I say it, like me or hate me, um, but I'm I'm gonna say what I feel. And the opposite of Triple G. Triple G was thought of as the king, but he got to a point where, and now he's older. I get it. You you got a little excuse. He's he's starting to get long in the tooth, and and maybe the the last fight might have taken a lot out of him. The last couple of fights, those fights with Canelo took a lot out of him. Mm-hmm. I, I, but he got to a point, Triple G, where he wasn't getting any better at all. And he wasn't improving. And I think it's because of at that time, the trainer that he was with. Yeah. Um, Abel Sanchez. Uh, yeah. That he just wasn't improving where Canelo's trainer was they were improving mm-hmm. i think that was a big difference that that one guy was getting better even though he was getting richer and even though he was you know st- you know st- an experienced guy who was could have leveled off he didn't level off mm-hmm. he was canelo continued to improve and still improves right. and and triple g for years never got better just yeah. stagnant just stopped stopped improving that's right. He was a strong force. He was a big middleweight. He was good puncher, tough, tough guy with a great shit and all that. And he was a silver medalist from 400 amateur fights, all that stuff. But he wasn't getting better. And so Canelo, to your question, I got him number three right now. So my answer is yes. He's right there. He's positioned to easily move into number one because of the competition he fights and because the son of a gun keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chepo Reynoso is just doing an amazing job with, with, with Canelo. And, uh, yeah, I, per- I got to say, I personally have him number one myself, actually. Yeah, like he's, he's... Yeah, I wouldn't argue with you because of what I just said. Yeah, it's amazing for sure. And uh, wow, now Teddy, I, I have to I have to promote everything you're doing with the Doctor Doctor Theater Atlas uh, Foundation here. Um, the website for uh, your foundation I have is Dr Atlas Foundation. So Dr A T L A S Foundation dot com, and also the fight. Make sure uh, for the audience listening to check out the fight, Teddy's. Uh, tremendous podcast for sure uh check that out the fight that's on spotify apple Podcasts, google play stitcher everything all the podcast distributors and also make sure to read and listen to teddy reads his biography as well as an audiobook the audiobook came out recently it's called in his biography classic book uh, came out in 2006 called atlas from the streets to the ring a son's struggle to become a man for sure so teddy i just had to let everyone know and also too teddy's book with bird sugar the late bird sugar the ultimate book of boxing list please any check check those materials out for sure and make sure to support uh teddy's dr theater atlas foundation teddy I got to say, well, I, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. I knew I had to have you on where they're at. Uh, and, and it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And, and as I said before, I'm proud to call you my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nobate. I feel the same way. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to the 20th edition of Where They At with the impeccable Teddy Atlas. Uh, what... What knowledge, what wisdom, what insight. I mean, this man is is definitely one of the greats when it comes to training, uh, being an analyst in any sport, for sure, and, and just being a humanitarian, because that's what he's all about. A man full of character, integrity, and honesty. And that's the type of person you would want to be around you. So thank you to Mr. Teddy Atlas for joining me on the 20th edition of Where They At. And if you like the music that you hear, 
please make sure uh, to check it out on my website, N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S.com. That's nabateisles.com. And it's from my album, Eclectic Excursions. So you can uh, check it out on the website or you can go to uh, to download it uh, or stream it on Spotify, Tidal, uh, Amazon, iTunes, Apple Music, Google Play, et cetera, et cetera. So the album is available for purchase and downloads for sure. And of course, if you want to listen to past episodes of where they at, make sure to, to subscribe and or follow on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on iHeartRadio, on Google Play, on Stitcher. Uh, feel free and, and please rate as well. Please rate the show too. And you'll get to hear uh, many other episodes with elite athletes and, and elite individuals that really made an impact in their discipline for sure. And also I had Chuck D on the show, which he's not an athlete, but he's an elite recording artist. So definitely you'll see when you see the library of, of shows, you'll see the great people that I've been honored to interview. So thank you all once again for listening to Where They At. My name is Dabate Owls. Be safe, be healthy, be blessed, and stay home as the storm of COVID-19 shall pass. Be good, everybody. Take care. God bless. Mm-hmm.